0: Hello team and welcome to episode 427 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Scott and Kayla Hardeman. Scott and Kayla run a personal development company called Further Coaching, where they help people transform their realities by overcoming their limitations and break free from their existing narrative in order to create a new and empowering one. Their mission stems from the individual journeys that they've both been on and in this episode we discuss everything that you need to become the best version of yourself. In this episode you can expect to learn how Scott and Kayla began the path to the evolved versions of themselves, what running a business together and being a married couple looks like on a day-to-day basis, along with what the key steps are to making your personal transformation stick and avoid going back to square one. So without further ado, Scott and Kayla Hardeman. Scott and Kayla, welcome to the show. How are you guys today?
1: Doing very well, thank you.
2: Very good. Thank you for having us. How are
0: you? I'm very, very well. Thank you for asking. And I'm excited to have you both on the podcast today, like I mentioned before we got started. This is the very first time in over 400 episodes that so we've had a couple on the show. So I'm looking forward to diving into both of your stories and also seeing how they've come together, the influence that you have on each other, and also the behind the scenes of what someone's story might have looked like, but with the other person looking at it as well. So with that being said, can you give us some context on who you both are and what it is that you do? Okay,
2: okay I'm Kayla, and I'm one half of Further Coaching which we run together, which is a personal development company. Uh, and we specialise in coaching around mindset, performance and confidence are our kind of areas of expertise. I'm a mom to a six-year-old. And yeah, um, I don't know what else to share. But You're yeah. an awesome human being. I'm yeah. an awesome human being. <laughs> there you
1: go. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and I'm Scott and I am the other half of Further Coaching. And basically what Kayla said, the, the goal for us is to help people Gain awareness of their mind, have control of their life, and just feel good in general in themselves. Because you know, I was in a very dark place before, and and that's not the case for me now. And I really want others to to feel the same. Uh, specifically, men at the moment, but we are branching out, and I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, as we go through. I'm um, a dad. If people don't know, Kayla and I are, are married. We've been married ten years together, fifteen. And we have a six year old daughter, and she is lovely challenging um (laughs) yeah it's an interesting time put it that way
0: Mm. yeah I can imagine so bring me back to your lives prior to each other what did that look like specifically and then talk to me about those early stages of you guys coming together and then we'll get on to how you've launched and merged the business together
1: cool yeah so before we met I was just jumping in and out of jobs Uh, I wasn't content I had a pretty challenging childhood uh I was I was raised in Bournemouth uh, near in in Paul, Paul Hospital I was born and lived there until I was about 12, uh, 11, 12 and my parents separated. There's lots of things that went on. It was very challenging and we kind of moved away into into Slough near London and and coming from a seaside town into to Slough was definitely an eye opener for it's me. A contrast, right? uh, I had three yeah <laughs> right. I had three younger sisters. Uh, it was my mum and it was uh, you know, we were in lots of different hostels and council houses and I was bullied a lot when I was younger. And and I re- the reason I mention that now is because I think that that contributed to the experiences I went through as I got older. You know, being bullied, having a, a up and down childhood, it really can affect you. So as I moved through life, we we moved away from Slough ultimately after about four years, and we moved to a little town in Cambridgeshire, and, and it's a place that I've stayed for, since I was fifteen, uh, and it's been it's been great. I really enjoyed it, and I met Kayla when how old is that?
2: 20, I think. 20, yeah. 20, yeah, very young.
0: Oh, wow, so you've seen a lot of development together. And Kayla, what did your life look like before Scott?
2: Oh, I was just working. I worked since I was 16, like job to job, worked kind of like very, I think a lot of people take this path where they finish school um, and then you start working and then you kind of work your way up and your salary increases and the job kind of gets a little bit better and a bit more aligned with what you're looking for. But I very much didn't know what I wanted to do. So it was kind of like, let's test things out. Let's try these different roles and jobs and see what I'm good at and see what I enjoy. Um, and I just kind of went like that. And then we we met in an insurance company, didn't we? Mm-hmm. So I stayed in insurance for a long time, but it wasn't for me. But it, it was one of those roles where you're very good at it, but you don't like it. <laughs> so I was really good at it, but I didn't enjoy it. And that's where we met. I was living at home at the time, wasn't I? Mm-hmm. You were living at home. So yeah, we were very young. Very young. Very young. And yeah, just kind of yeah, figuring life out, I guess, at the time. But we both, we both had, a, we didn't know at the time, we both had our own kind of struggles, I guess, with, it was more about moving fast paced, working all the time, not really taking care of yourself, or not really taking care of myself. And that was life. It was, there was nothing else to it, really. It was kind of work, have a bit of fun, hang out, and then, yeah, not really take care of yourself. And that really took its toll. Because we were young, it was just like, not top of the list.
0: Yeah, and it was kind of the normal thing to do, right? It was like, you know, you meet someone, you get a job, you get that stability in place and then you just live the life of what everyone expects you to do. And then it's only once you have this realization which I want to ask you about in just a moment do you wake up and realize well actually I don't think this is the life I would have chosen if I had the opportunity to and then you're like wait a minute I do have a choice and then obviously everything starts to change from there so what was that tipping point for you guys was it one of you who reached that point first where you're like okay enough is enough or did one of you go for a certain situation where you're like okay I can't go any lower here, so I need to turn this around. What did that process look like? Because of, in most couples, usually it takes one person to kind of start the charge. Or you meet and you're in fairly similar positions and you kind of go up and down together. So I'm curious to hear what that looked like for you.
1: Yeah, for, so I would say that it's probably a, a point for me that kind of triggered everything for us moving forward. Mm. I was uh, a funeral director so, about a year after we, after we met, I became a funeral director and I was in that role for around nine years. So, I worked my way up as a funeral operative. It wasn't something I planned to do. I didn't say, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a funeral director. The opportunity <laughs> arised. I wasn't happy. Uh, in, I was an estate agent at the time and I was terrible at it because I was, I just had no confidence and I was an anxious, anxious oh, young lad. Yeah. So, it wasn't being an estate agent and selling. It just wasn't, it doesn't align with me. And I thought, well, why not funeral directing? It'll be. Be interesting. It'll be quiet, <laughs> but it wasn't, by the way. Um, and I worked my way up, staying in that in that place for in lots of different areas in in that world, in the industry for around nine years. And during that time, I experienced high levels of anxiety. So I was around, you know, in my early twenties, twenty three to twenty five. It started. and uh, It was crippling for me, and there was a lot of pain that I went through. That that was the the trigger for us moving in the direction we have now. And I, that was something that Kayla had to experience. But for me, yeah, it was awful. And I'm I'm sure people out there that have had similar experiences will will relate to that. And it's different for everybody. But for me, the word I would use is crippling. uh, and, And that's...
0: And Kayla, how did it look to see your partner go through that? I think that's a really interesting insight because there's so many people are going through mental health challenges and so many people are in relationships and you two are still together, stronger than ever, I should imagine. So how did you manage to get through that during a time where Scott was struggling so much?
2: Yeah, it was a challenge because I'd never come across anybody that had anxiety. I didn't have Mm -hmm. anxiety. I wasn't particularly confident in myself anyway, but um, I didn't have those challenges that Scott had. So I couldn't really resonate with him. That was the first thing. And he would describe it to me. And I just kind of didn't really have any, I didn't understand at first. And we hadn't really kind of explored personal development at that point. So I didn't even have any tools or any, I hadn't even read any books that I could be like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I read this, this might help you or whatever avenue um, I could share. But I do actually remember having my Kindle and then I started looking for a book. I was like, oh, there must be something I need to. And I remember reading this book and it was something about anxiety um, just to kind of get a bit of understanding. So that was my first thing. Uh, I actually forgot about that till I picked up my Kindle the other day and I saw it on there. And I was like, uh, my goodness, I forgot mm. about that book. So that was the first thing, just to get some understanding so I could resonate or at least help. Um, Because you can't help someone with something that you know nothing about. So that was my first step. And then it was very much about following his lead. It was kind of like supporting him, not putting too much stress on him, trying to be there for him, but also just letting him figure out what he needed to do. Because, you know, that's not, it wasn't my job to solve his problems. My job is just to be by him, supporting him. It was up to him to kind of figure out what that journey was Mm. going to be to helping himself. So it was very much like, go and do what you need to do. You know, I'm here. And then he'd come to me with different things that he might want to work on or explore. One of those was hypnotherapy, I think. That was the first thing. Mm -hmm. Tried that a couple of times and I was like, yep, go do that, see if that helps.
1: It was a really interesting time because for me, and everyone will experience it differently, but I had a very physical symptom. So I needed to, if if anything was uncomfortable, I would need to take a deep breath. And if I couldn't get the exact deep breath I needed in that moment, then i would have an anxiety attack so but we breathe all the time right so it was it was a constant flow i'd have a rest of about 5 minutes where i get got what i needed and then it would come back round again and it was it was an awful time especially in those initial initial moments like what is going on you know when when i experienced that it wasn't mental health wasn't talked about as much as it is now no. you know, what now year was everywhere gosh so i was i was around 22 i'd say 21 22 so uh, i'm 35 now so wear that out. Yeah. So minutes. in the
0: area that still made fun of on sitcoms and everything like that, not really widely discussed, and more of a yeah the the part of a joke more so than anything, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And oh, yeah. and when you don't Definitely. like Kayla said, you don't know anything about it. You can't you can't do anything. So I had zero knowledge. I didn't know what was happening to me. I went out on a, on a night out with the lads, and I woke up after a few drinks, and there it was. I was like, what on earth is going on? Uh, and it stuck with for a very very long time. And because it wasn't talked about no one knew what it was and i was a a man i need to nearly man up and and do what i need to do push through it i learned to manage it but manage it very poorly and it and it just crippled me uh and you know our relationship was it was we had a great relationship we still do but it was of course i I was in here most of the time i was in my head i wasn't i wasn't expressing myself i just needed to solve my problem because if i didn't then i wouldn't be able to survive in in a sense
0: yeah and talk to us about some of those breakthrough moments as well because of on a path to the person you want to be there's a lot of unwiring of the person that you used to be as well so you're definitely not that same person who's a funeral director and having having crippling anxiety and it looks like you've very much evolved since then so what did that process look like and what were some of the key parts of that story that got you to where you are today
1: great great question so one of the first books i read it was a book ultimately, that led me into it. And, and it was uh, Tony Robbins. Uh, one of It was Awaken the Giant Within. And I started to read that. And, and it was very much around our thoughts, which is, you, you'll hear so many coaches talk about, well, manage your thoughts to, so you can control your emotions and have better action steps, to take different results. And I hear it all the time. I'm, I'm half rolling my eyes, but I'm also thinking to myself, well, that is... That is the key. Language, words, yeah. thoughts. Is, is the power. It's is where it is. I think it's just the way in which people explain it that it becomes really powerful or not very powerful for some others. And so I read that book and I don't actually, if I'm honest, I didn't complete, I didn't finish the book. Uh, I got what I needed from it and I started to then implement. I started to manage my thoughts more. I looked into anxiety. I used to be scared of the word anxiety. I couldn't even look at it. So I would force myself to look at the word and then gradually take myself out of my comfort zone. Um, So the first thing for me was just becoming super aware of the power of my thoughts. And you wouldn't believe that at that point I didn't have a clue about any of that.
0: And it makes a lot of sense to be completely honest. My story is very similar. I went to hypnotherapy as well back when I was something like 22 or something along those lines and it was the first time I had the realization that I was separate from my thoughts and that was kind of the moment that turned things around for myself as well it's like at that point I always tell people I was like I was at the front in the driving seat but my hands were tied behind my back and I was just like looking around saying like hey where are we going to go next and then obviously when I realized that that wasn't the case was like oh all of a sudden my hands were here all along I just didn't realize they were actually on the wheel and then you can actually steer to where you want to be and Kayla did you have a similar story in terms of like a bit of a rock bottom moment or was it kind of fairly steady and then you kind of had to work out the things that you were going through what did it look like personally
2: yeah it was fairly steady i think well scott's because of scott's journey it introduced me to personal development and then i started to understand oh that this is why i behave like this or or i actually these are my thoughts i didn't know that before and actually developing that self-awareness um was really key so yeah Scott kind of um kind of led me into that with his journey um (laughs) and then there was a bit then it kind of went on to NLP and we started doing a lot of these techniques together and you I was kind of like your guinea pig (laughs) so we were yeah gradually we've been on this journey of personal development together since that difficult time, mm. um, like 10 years ago and, uh, and 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So then I started to understand, Oh, I am, but I do have low confidence and this is how I feel about myself. And this is, these are the things I'm saying to myself. And I didn't know that before. Um, I think I very much accepted that I was quiet and I was very shy and I was very introverted and I was, and it was just who I was. And that was okay. And everybody's different and that's fine, uh, but it was very limiting. So and it would be fine to be in that place if you were at peace with that and it didn't interfere with things that you wanted to do in your life and that's okay because you do have characters who are who kind of fit that mold and um, but their life is they're very happy and they're very free and they can do things that they want to do and they're happy to you know whereas it wasn't like that for me I, there were lots of things that i wanted to do and i couldn't do them uh, because of how i was feeling so yeah it was, it, i didn't have a rock bottom it was very much a kind of gradual growth journey that i'm still on but yeah just gradual i mean you never finish journey of growth to you but (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah once I it was it was very kind of natural organic and I moved through things as and when I needed to
0: and I'll tell you what I love that as well because I don't actually think you need to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough and I think that it's the common narrative and Scott of course you have your story and I have mine as well but I would love there to be more examples of people who didn't have to get to this very very dark point in their life before they actually turn things around so I think that yours is just as inspiring as, as anyone else's because of realistically i think a lot of people are in that area of kind of i feel like things are kind of just mediocre you know they're, they're okay they're not bad enough for me to be like looking around thinking my life's a mess but there's characteristics that i'm not particularly pleased about there's certain situations that are not going as well as i want to and sometimes that's a harder place to be because i say that rock bottom's probably the most easiest place to stand up from because it's <laughs> there's nowhere else to go whereas when you're in that kind of gray area of in the, in the middle it's like well you know, I could stay here and most people do. I could just, you know, continue to do what I'm doing. Nothing's like terribly bad. And I know, especially in British culture as well, it's like, well, I shouldn't be like, everything's like not too bad. Everything's like could be worse. That's, that's the phrase, could right? Worse. Could be worse. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you kind of continue to live that. So I love the fact that you were able to step out of the could be worse mindset and actually go up to something that was better as well. And I think that both of those are inspiring in themselves as well. So obviously you both had your stories in the past of who you were, and now you stepped into who you are becoming and you're on that personal growth journey as well. What were the steps to writing the new story of who you wanted to be once you left that previous version behind?
1: Basically, what I found that was a huge step for me was starting to recognize and take myself out of the hole that I was in because you're right you know I was in a in a hole I remember hearing a a story and I won't tell it now because it's quite a long one but it was a, a, a story to explain how you can help yourself and help other people and basically I thought well I'm helping myself here I don't, I feel nowhere near as bad as I did. I'm still on this journey. I'm still anxious, but my confidence is building. I have knowledge. I'm using that knowledge. So I have power because there's a statement. You may have heard it before, but knowledge is potential power. It's only power when you use it, right? Otherwise, you just gain lots of information and it's just information. So I was actually using that information and proving to myself that what I was implementing worked. And I thought, well, what better way to, to really make sure that I'm having an impact? Than impacting other people so I thought well how can I do that and I looked in and, and I found a few people that I could help I started to help them out of their troubles and their challenges and anxieties and low confidence I thought wow this is fantastic and then I dived more into that world and I put more energy into it and became more fascinated with it I created more of a structure and now I'm here <laughs> talking to you so it was very much I think finding out what w- would work for me and then having this desire to help other people, actioning that, and then from there it evolved.
0: And during that journey of kind of going towards helping other people and getting yourself to a stage where you recognize what worked for you well there's stages in which you kind of had those setbacks those slip-ups because i think that's a big thing a lot of people go through especially in my industry a weight loss journey or a transformational journey with their mindset and their personal development as well there's always the temptation of going back to where they were and they've done these things they read the tony robbins book they go on the personal development courses but they end up still slipping back and forth between really really like like emphasizing and reinforcing who they are now versus who they were so did you have those moments where you were slipping back and forth
1: yeah for sure yeah it's a, it's a challenging journey what i now with where i'm at in this moment in time i i feel like if i dip it's for a very very short space of time it's maybe, maybe sometimes hours maybe a couple of days because i i do the things that i know work for me and that helped me whereas i think when i was early on I would have a, an event would happen, a challenge would happen and it would set me back. So I'd go on this journey of, okay, I'm going to make a change and and I'm going to change this about myself and I'm on this upward trajectory and then what happens is an event, whatever it is. Maybe I took myself out of my comfort zone and it didn't go exactly the way I wanted so it would drop me down and in the past i drop all the way down and have to start again. Right, But now if that happens to me, then I drop, I keep doing the things that I know work for me and I'm back up again. I think that's where people, especially I think in the, when they're trying to lose weight, you know, an event happens such as there's a, a night out and they, they drink more uh, or they eat more. And all of a sudden they, they think, oh, what's the point? And they come all the way back down a few months later. No, come on, I'm really going to make a change. And they go back. It's like, like the cycle of doom, right? Um, whereas if people can understand, OK, well, it was a day, just a day, then I can come back up and build myself up again rather than start from scratch. So for me, it was I'm in a completely different space now. Um, and I can manage that. But in the past, definitely, it was a bit more, bit more like a yo-yo.
0: That's it. And I think the key to sustainability as well is not saying you'll never fall off. But it's, as you mentioned, I think there's two components. The first is making sure that you jump back on as quickly as possible, that those moments are short-lived. And the second is the severity as well. For example, if someone goes out on a night out and in the past, they would end up super drunk. They would then hit the kebab <laughs> van on the way home. And then it turns into, okay, I had a few too many glasses of wine, right? There's a difference in those two certain situations. And also it helps with the bounce back as well. And I think that if you can reduce the severity and also reduce the time that you spend in that fallback as well, I think that, that can really help because you're able to just brush it off and move forward. And as you mentioned, it ends up being months and then they get back on it, but they're coming from a worse place again. And it's all this activation energy that it needs to go through something that they've already done. So it then becomes exhausting. So yeah, I can definitely relate with that. And Kayla, what about yourself? Did you- you have back and forth with you being tempted to go back to the version of yourself or was it kind of more like okay i'm ready to commit to this new version of who i want to be
2: yeah i think um from a a woman's perspective i think i think personally my journey has been a little bit different because there's a hormone thing when you're a woman which i'm discovering now which actually plays a really big part in in that transformation Mm. because i feel like you can you can do the tools and you can discover yourself and you can implement all the great rituals and stuff which I do but then there's a side of me that I'm still discovering which is that the hormones the women's hormones and that has an impact in how I feel too because it's a a 28 day cycle and there's different sections that have you know different hormones as part of part of play so that definitely affects my mood definitely affects how I feel about myself how how well i'm able to work how productive i am yeah just how good i feel in general so i'm still discovering that but yeah it's um so it's very it can be very up and down when you're a woman if you haven't kind of developed or discovered that part of yourself and connected yourself to those that cycle and the kind of feminine part of of being a woman so
0: and i would love you to give us from a female perspective. How do you give yourself grace during those moments as well? Because I think it's very easy for a man to just say, okay, well, if I slept well and I've I've eaten well, then I can kind of get up and do the job. But it's completely different, as you mentioned, when you're a woman. So I'm curious to get an idea of how you manage those lows and highs and not getting too high with the highs and expecting that when you're super productive, this is going to last for the next six months. And when you're on a low, you're also not expecting that to last for the next six months.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm still discovering that, but it really helps having a partner like Scott because he's He's, um, a subjective kind of point of view. So he can remind me, Oh, this is the time of the month, actually, that you had this difficult time. <laughs> and but, I'm like, and let's and just, and I, before I
1: th- you get into that though, let's just make a point there, because that takes an aware, a conscious woman to accept that. You know, there's yeah. a lot of guys out yeah, there that can true. say, Hey, it's the, it's the time of the month. You know, this is the, yeah. the time where it tends to come around. And then there's a lot of friction in the relationship whereas Kayla's very conscious and very aware so when I remind her of that she understands that it's not coming from a place of like pointing and judgement it's coming from a place of love and just as a reminder Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. and I can say those words
2: It's so helpful because I'm like oh yeah because I'm in my own head I can't see it because you know it can be so strong and yeah if if we've had a period because we have a daughter where we haven't slept so well as well Mm. I mean sleep my goodness If, (laughs) if we don't get a good night's sleep it's hell isn't it and everything so much harder so yeah it really helps just having scott from an outside perspective looking in like hmm, yeah i recognize this and sharing that with me because then i can kind of snap out of it a lot quicker but if you didn't have a partner that was able to do that then yeah i the way that i do the way that i keep level and on track and kind of bring myself back is is slowing down really it's like leaning more into that feminine. So lots of nature, lots of mm. things I like. So cup of tea, lemon drink, coffee, you know, yoga. Uh, and it sounds really like la la la. But that is the side of of um being a woman that we need to embrace. So mm. I very much lean into that in those moments. I'm like, well, I'm not going to work super hard today. <laughs> I'm going to do things that I like. And I'm going to lean into more into joy and pleasure and have some really good music on. And I'm going to sing or whatever it is that you might enjoy. It's very independent and personal. But that, that's kind of what brings me back. Just leaning into that feminine and being all right with that. Being like. I don't have to work that hard today because <laughs> so I'm having a moment. So. <laughs> so yeah, that really helps me as a woman.
0: I love that. And do you ever find the pressure from A, yourself and B, other people as well? Because if I know that a lot of mothers have the challenge of if they don't look like they're juggling a hundred things at once, or if they go to a yoga class and they take time away from their young child, that they're deemed as a bad mother. And unfortunately, a lot of that Pressure comes from other women as well. I found that to be the case with a lot of women that I've spoken to. So first, you find the pressure from yourself. You're having those days where you're just like, okay, I'm not feeling great today, but I've got this enormous to-do list. I probably would feel a lot better knowing that I've ticked all those boxes and also do you feel the other pressure from women maybe friends colleagues people on Instagram even who maybe aren't even entitled to their opinion but they still have it do you ever find that that's a bit of a challenge to go through when you're leaning into that feminine because I love the take and I would love you to just kind of re-emphasize why it's so important and how you manage those things which I think a lot of women go through
2: I don't feel the pressure from other women but i i put the pressure on myself i don't have that experience where people are judging me or i feel like they are or people might say things or comments or i don't have that and i know some people might but it, it really doesn't matter because i find it anyway so you know i'll go <laughs> on instagram and i'll see someone who looks like they're doing so well um and then i i just find the pressure on put the pressure on myself you know like you might see a house that's really nice or somebody who's whatever it might be as a mum, the the trigger points that make you feel less than so yeah it's it's about managing that um so just having just having that awareness of like oh this triggers me i'm not gonna look at that anymore and just instantly making that decision whereas sometimes i think people know what doesn't serve them but they don't take the action to -hmm. cut it out Uh, And it's just about saying it doesn't serve me. So no, thank you. And then, and that's really helpful. It's these little things, I think, that help me that maybe some people don't uh, see the value in being aware of and taking action on. You can easily like be in your own box and feel less than and find the things that trigger you and make you feel not good enough (laughs) without even anybody saying a word to you. It's, it's, you know, that's how much power we have over ourselves and our lives and how we feel. So. Yeah, having awareness and taking action is super important.
0: Yeah, and I think it starts with ourselves as well, because it's a lot less significant when we've already done that work on ourselves, that even if anyone did have comments, we already know truly, deeply and internally, okay, I'm doing this because I know what it does. I know that I'm a good mother. I know that I am a productive person when my time comes and I still get the work done that I need to be completed. And I also have this balance and it's a little bit more of a holistic lifestyle that I live versus just being completely out of balance. So I like that approach a lot. And I think that, yeah, if it starts internally, then externally it can't hit you quite as much either. But avoiding triggers is always a wise idea too. And coming up to now, I've got a really good idea of your both your personal stories and how you've kind of weaved them together. Was there just a dinner table conversation where you're like, maybe we should come together and put this coaching business as one? What did that process look like? Was it just a casual conversation or was it something that just seemed to make sense?
1: Well, I I started the business... First off, so I was doing it uh, as a, a side hustle. As many people say nowadays, uh, alongside being a funeral director, I actually started as a personal trainer. I was helping people inside the gym, and I felt what I was doing with people outside of the gym was having more of an impact, and I enjoyed it more. So I kind of pivoted into to this world. Kayla at the time was a childminder because she wanted to spend more time with with our daughter, which was uh, you know, fantastic. And and the business started at home, uh, and I just started to put myself out there, gained a few clients, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and it grew very, very quickly, really. We had COVID, which was an interesting one. Everything went online, and, and I'm grateful for that. It was mostly online anyway, but just 100%. Uh, and it, it, we put my effort into it. Kayla was behind the scenes doing all the, like, the techie stuff as well. And we had these ideas together. And it got to a point we thought, well, the business is in a good space. Why don't you stop child mining and director of the business and this is where we're at now it's been going uh going really well we went to Bali for four months as well as a oh, wow. as a little bit of an experience for for us and we took our daughter which was nice and that was really the the catalyst for for you becoming a director of the business Kayla becoming a director um, yeah
2: we very much wanted to travel didn't we mm. um and uh, the business was getting very busy and Scott was so good at you know taking care of his clients helping his clients and that but as you probably know with the business there's so much more to it, that you can't always have all the hats and do all the things all at the same time. So, yeah, um, I was very used to helping with, with the things that Scott couldn't put his time to, um, or maybe his skills to. <laughs> so lots of uh, design stuff, techie stuff, marketing things. Um, so I very much mm. just started taking on a lot more of the um, business development, a lot more of the operation stuff that Scott couldn't do because he looks after his clients and and does the transformation work which is massive Um, and we didn't want to take away from that did we because we were very busy had a lot of clients a lot of people to help and the mission is to help. So if anything takes away from that and distracts from that, then hmm. then yeah, we I was able to come in and, and help with those things. So hmm. that's our, that's our balance at the moment, which is great.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And I think that quite often, especially when you're like a solopreneur, you get into the idea that you just need to do absolutely everything and then you actually take yourself away from the thing that you genuinely want to do, which is help your clients. So I think yeah. that's a absolute key step that so many people can go for. It is amazing when it ends up being your wife as well, because if then it's all in-house it's someone you can trust and it's someone you can communicate with i can imagine is there times where maybe that becomes too much is there times where you're like okay we're talking too much about business or you've got conflicting ideas for example (laughs) how does that work my fiance and i we Pretty much spend 24 7 together. We're not working on a business together right now, but we both work from home. We have done for the last 18 months or so. A lot of people would assume that that's quote unquote unhealthy. So I'm curious to get your take on that from running a business and being married. How do you guys find that? And do you find that there are challenges? Do you find that you're able to put boundaries in place? What has that experience been like for you both of you?
1: Well, number one is remove your ego, you know, especially as being a man, you know, it's this I've got to, I've got to recognize what Kayla requires of me and give that. You know, the love, the connection, the kindness, the compassion. I'm not saying I'm always good at it because I'm a pain in the ass. I'm very driven. And if, if I've got an idea, I want to kind of implement as soon as possible. And I have lots of things I want to say. My mind is on the business a lot because I want to have impact. But if we remove our egos, then it's it's a wonderful experience. And there are times when it's a bit tense, but only for like 20 minutes, if that uh, and we move past it very quickly. We've, we put a lot of work into ourselves. And that's the key, I think, is that I, if I was just to focus on, on Kayla, then I wouldn't be looking after myself. So we focus on each other. We do the the, the mental work. We do the physical. And then because of that, we can offer more to each other. Would you agree?
2: I Definitely. Yeah, I think we have periods in business where it's very busy. We might be working on a project or launching something where it's very like kind of a time frame that we have to stick to rather than just the flow of business and during those times it, it very much piles all on the side of business and um, where we work yeah well, I mean we're together 24-7 as well so mm. same as, as your partner <laughs> she is. we work at home we live <laughs> at home we have family life at home so so yeah we can be up early in the morning and we'll be talking oh this inquiry or this client blah 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 and then it's it leads to the moment we close our eyes sometimes. And that and then, yeah, and then we, we check in and I'm like, oh, I feel like it's very masculine at the moment and very driven. It's very like business and blah, 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 and everything's fast paced. I'm like, I need to slow down a bit now and have a bit of time together and not talk about the business and lean more into our relationship and connect a bit more. Which is actually um, really helpful
1: because otherwise yeah. I would probably just keep going. Yeah. Yeah i understand why i love it when you thing. love
2: something mm. as well you don't have the desire to step away from it because you enjoy mm. it so it's about being conscious of developing that balance i think
0: yeah and kind of integrating like you said both that masculine and feminine energy and it's not necessarily because you're a woman and scots a man it's more no. the sense of saying okay you need this balance you need this yin and yang you need the soft edges and the hard edges you need the drive to go forward but also you need the temporary breaks to make sure that you don't just drive yourself into a wall and i can relate to you very much when you say that scott as well as like i would just keep going because of you know i know how important it is and the job that my partner does is amazing and she provides us soft edges that's what i ask her for because of, i know my nature and i think that it's just having that dynamic of a push and pull and i think that you guys like you said the first step is self-awareness this is kind of what you mentioned in regards to taylor okay it's coming around that time of the month again. It's like, well, usually that would be a conversation that ends in an argument, but because you know that each other has got each other's backs, it's like, well, okay, well, if she's telling me to slow down and maybe I'm being too like aggressively focused on work, it's probably for a reason. It's not just because she selfishly wants to take all of my time, which a lot of people thinking couple dynamics, it's more the sense of saying, okay, I know this person's got my best interest at heart. I know that these are my blind spots as well. And I'm trusting that other person to look out for those blind spots for me in both senses of the word as well. So I like that a lot. And I want to transition a bit more into the coaching side of things and go through what it is that you discuss. There are a lot of life coaches out there right now. There are a lot of mindset coaches. There's a lot of masculinity coaches as well. Like, specific around the male mental health and male well-being space because of that's becoming an area in which a lot of people are reaching out for help i think like jordan peterson and people like joe rogan and tony robbins for example they kind of sit at the head of inspiring a lot of people and now there's a lot of people who are looking for that type of guidance so what makes your coaching any different from anything else out there and why is it specifically men that you've chosen to focus on
1: that's a great question so with regards to the men side of things uh, i'm a man and i struggled (laughs) you know as you can tell hopefully with a beard um but you know i i I struggled hugely and and i had a passion for not having other men experience similar things now my business has evolved our business has evolved from there and we help guys with lots of different things but also i i i love my wife more than anything anyone and i've got a daughter who also you know love you know, more than anyone. And I've got three younger sisters and there's women in my life everywhere. I've got my mum and my, my gran. Mm. Right? I don't have a lot of men in my life. No. And I am very passionate about having men being in a fantastic space so they can you know, feel good in themselves. Yes. But also have a positive impact to the, the women in their lives as well. So that's why men, and and that's very powerful and your other question was what makes us different i suppose for me i I like to focus in when i coach around language so the language that we, we use and that's what i think makes us so i'm gonna use it it makes us so good is because i can recognize what people are actually saying and that came from i would say it started when i was a funeral director because i'd be sat there with people in in a not a very good way at all as you can imagine And they'd say one thing, but they would never actually mean that. So for me, it was about listening, but not just listening. It was reading between the lines, actually hearing what they were saying. Uh, And over the years, I've developed that. And I can have a conversation with someone and they might say something in the first three minutes. And I'll know what their challenge is already so they can end up working through it. So that's where I say we're very quick and get results very quickly. But it does come down to the guys that we work with being committed to themselves. Uh, and and taking the action, but I can help them reveal. And then it's about working together to resolve ultimately.
0: Yeah. And how do you get them to resolve so quickly? Because I think a lot of people will be able to identify the challenges that they have, but it's as we know, it's not an overnight fix. It usually happens on a long-term basis of consistent implementation of certain things. How do you get people to get over that initial burst of motivation and energy? They're like, okay, Scott, amazing. You've worked out my issues in just a three-minute conversation. I'm excited and motivated. I want to wake up at 4.55 tomorrow and get my day started, but then end up kind of down three weeks later finding themselves in that kind of similar position that slipped back to the comfort zone once again how do you keep them going on that path to make sure that not only do they get started but they truly follow through like you said you need committed people but commitment is one of those things that it can be very fluctuating for so many people
1: yeah you're right it comes down to being disciplined uh, and you know, motivation. Am I motivated to go out and take the bins? No, but I'm disciplined and I do it. So it's, it's different. But I think for for a lot of a lot of the guys, it's about having a compelling future. Now, if you if you create a vision for yourself and you create goals that you're striving towards that compel you to get up in the morning, that in- inspire you, that do motivate you, then you're much more likely to do and to do the things that help you day to day. Because you know that 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 is a lead to achieving what you want. So you may have heard the lead and lag indicators. You know, a lead indicator is, you know, waking up, meditating, journaling, doing your exercise, eating well, drinking well, whatever, for example. Challenging your thoughts, using three questions to help challenge your thoughts, changing them into something positive, reminding yourself of all the good things in your life, being active in everything you're doing. And then that's going to have a knock-on effect gradually into getting the result. But that, if you haven't got a compelling future, it becomes quite challenging. To do that. So you have to cultivate one for yourself. And I think that's what we're very good at.
0: And how do you get people to overcome the overwhelm that comes along with? Creating this compelling future because of as the anxious funeral director that you were. If someone said that you're gonna be you know top of this business, you've got your wife working next to you. Like for someone who's an- anxious, they probably were thinking, "Well, that's way too much pressure to put on me. I'm introverted. I don't want to actually have to be the front of the business. I don't want to have to be the leader." So how did you get to a stage where you can create something that's inspiring and compelling, but not get overwhelmed by the enormity of the goal?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be individual. Everyone's different. So my if someone had told me then that that was where I'd be, I'd be. Like, amazing great let's do this right because that's the mindset i had but i was held back by my drivers and my limitations but someone else might just want to feel more content just might want to be able to sit on their own and not feel highly anxious so it's about being specific in what they are trying to achieve at that moment in time in 20 years time they may have that successful business and be doing all of these wonderful things but actually for them the next three month period is just being able to walk to the shops and not have an anxiety attack or be able to present in front of someone and communicate confidently. So it's about finding out what is within there is slightly unsettling, slightly yeah. challenging. Challenge is probably the one I like the word unsettling because it's something that if you get it in your stomach. So you know, it's the kind of the place to go. Yeah. So within that period, it's being specific with what they want to achieve at that moment in time. So I work with guys for maybe a four month period and they'll say, well, what would happen after that? Do we continue? And I'll say, I can't have that conversation with you right now because you're going to be in a completely different space. Now, at that point, if you want to move on, we go, okay. where are you now? And then we plan for that period of your life. So that's what I would say. Yeah, it's it's having that compelling future, specifically where you're at, small chunking it, taking small steps. Even for my daughter, probably a year ago, year and a half ago. She was going to the dentist, and I don't know where she got it from, but she was she wasn't communicating with us properly in the morning. I thought this is a bit strange. I said, "Are you okay?" She went, "I'm nervous." I said, "Okay." I said, "Are you nervous about going to the dentist?" She said, "Yes." I said, "Okay." Said, Being in the dentist chair, she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, and she she was very young at that point. And I said, "Great." So, what's the first thing that we can do right now? And she said, "Get dressed." I said, "Okay, let's do that." I said, "Then what?" And she said, "Brush my teeth." I said, "Great, let's do that." And then. Then it was go downstairs. Then it was have, um, get your shoes on. Then it was get in the car. Then it was drive. Then it was pay for parking. Then it was walk. And then all of a sudden she's in the the dentist chair. So you don't necessarily want, you want to have the compelling vision, but not just focus on it all the time. You want to take the small steps that get you there. And that for me is a, I love that story because it was a real life experience.
0: Yeah. And it's that small piece of action that is needed to actually move you in direction because the thinking about the thing is not doing the thing and thinking about the thing is going to create a lot more overwhelm and potential circumstances and hypotheses about what's actually going to happen but usually it's worse in our minds than it actually ends up being in reality as you'll also probably recognize with the dentist chair as well so i like that step and i also like the idea between challenging and unsettling because challenging might be doing a thousand piece puzzle but it's not unsettling by any means right <laughs> it's like unsettling is that thing that you know okay this is going to be slightly uncomfortable It's going to be on the edge of something I want to do. And like you said, you feel it within you, but you know that there could be something quite rewarding on the other side of that. And I always tell my clients when we're focusing on a big journey, you know, some people come to me and they want to lose 30, 40 kilos or something along those lines. And we, quite often know that something within their mind needs to change within that process as well. But I say, keep one eye on the present and one eye on the future. Because if you look too much towards the end goal, it's going to feel too large, too enormous, and scary. If you stay too focused on the present as well, sometimes you forget what you're even working towards and you get too caught up in day-to-day and it stops being inspiring about where you want to go. So I like that approach of like chunking it into small steps as well. And something I've also seen you speak a lot about is self-mastery. I think that one step is to kind of rid ourselves of the challenges that we're having the coping mechanisms the behaviors that we've got caught up in but another step is going towards being the absolute best version of yourself so what does that transition look like and how would you even define self-mastery
1: so ultimately i feel it is self-mastery is removing and resolving your limitations you know and those those driving forces because then you can reach that because it's there you know the things that we want are there we're just they 're just masked by the limitations that we have that often we 're not aware of and that's why we call them blind spots right or, or we call them hidden drivers so someone that is experiencing procrastination or anxiety or low confidence what we have to remember is that's a symptom that 's not the actual problem someone that's you know overweight that 's a symptom of ignoring something deeper down uh, and what people will do is they 'll focus hyper focus on The symptom, which they think is the problem, when in actual fact, that isn't the problem. That is just something that has occurred because they've been ignoring something for years and years and years and years likely that has then developed into what they're seeing. So you go to the doctors for a rash and uh, the doctor says, okay, there's a rash. Here's here's some cream to take. You put the cream on the rash, the rash goes away. But the rash is just a symptom. There's something within your body that isn't happy, which is then revealing the rash. Uh, And For me, self-mastery is about understanding what those limitations are, what those constraints are, recognizing them and doing your best to remove them so then you can finally accept and move into the things that you are worthy of and that and are already there for you.
0: Would you say the same, Kayla?
2: I would say the same. It's, it's having that self-awareness, not being afraid to figure out the things that you want to figure out about yourself, about what you want, about the world, about yeah. what kind of life you want to live, what kind of person you want to be. And yeah, just kind of unraveling anything that gets in the way of that, that is in the way of that. I know for me, like when Scott talked about symptoms, I knew that I wasn't confident and I didn't feel good about myself for a long time. But some of the problems or some of the symptoms or the kind of repercussions of that were in my behaviors. So that's where that thought, feeling, behavior, outcome, kind of flow comes into play. And I'm able to pinpoint that now. So, for example, um, a problem that I might present if I had a coach would be back then would have been, oh, well, I I feel really uncomfortable, maybe in social situations, or I don't speak up or say how I feel Mm. to certain people or if somebody feels there's a bit of a hierarchy or I'm a bit threatened by somebody or intimidated, you know, these are that I mean, there's many. I have a journal full of them. <laughs> um, it's good to journal on it as well. But yeah, they're, so they're, they're just symptoms. So, you know, I'll present those problems. Oh, I don't like this about my life. This is the problem. I can't talk in social situations. Well, the real problem is that I don't feel good enough. You know, and then there's a whole there's 50 other behaviors that I've developed as a result of not feeling good enough, trying to cope with not feeling good enough, but not really being aware that that's how I felt. And that's that that's where the hidden driver work comes in. And it's really powerful because we have so many clients come to us with all of these behaviors and symptoms and problems and challenges um, and it's Scott's able to go, ah, oh, that's because you don't feel good enough. And then it's like, wow, unlock. I, I did not know that about myself. And now I'm like, and then, then, like I, like the journey I've been on and Scott's been on, they're able to see in their life, oh, how does that play out? So this is one of the problems I'm having, procrastination, but what else? am I doing? Or what else? How else am I limiting myself as a result of this hidden driver of not being good enough or whatever that driver may be? There's loads of them. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. if if it was I'm not good enough, for example, then they're able to say, oh, yeah, that was when I was not feeling good enough. I don't have to do that anymore. My, the new version of myself doesn't have to behave that way, and I make a different choice. And then every single time, mm-hmm. you're developing the new version of yourself. You're removing things that limit yourself, and that to me is self mastery. Because every single time you behave differently to your past version, the limited version, who didn't feel good enough or whatever it might be for that person. Every single time that you make a change and it's different, then you're evolving and you're growing and yeah, and then you're developing self-mastery. So it's really cool. I think people think it's like, wow, I've woken up a new person. And it's not, it's every single tiny action that you take that is different. To what you would have done before and yeah ultimately. An,
1: an example would be one of my clients i spoke to yesterday we, we uncovered a few blind spots for him uh we found two and then uh, yesterday we found another one and this is the way it, that is self-master it's about you know listening for me listening to the language they're using and then calling out so even for him it was there was a couple of colleagues and they would when he would work from home they'd be in meetings in the office and he would overthink and think that they're talking about him and not sharing with him what you know, the information that he needed to know. Uh, and and I would say, okay, well, how does that make you feel? And, well, you're, not, not included. Uh, and for me, instantly, that, that says to me that there's there's a driver or a blind spot of I'm alone. Uh, and then I asked him to track back and pinpoint things in his life that revealed that where life was trying to show him that he had that limitation. And he was, oh, well, yeah, when I was at university, my friends said that all three of us were going to move into a place and then they only moved in with, with themselves and they didn't invite me. Okay, okay, cool. So that's another indication that you're alone right and then he said that oh but i'm also i believe i'm a lone wolf i said can you see this right so you're one thing is you don't want to be so you're trying to be included and it drives you mad but also you're kind of like well i'm a lone wolf anyway so i'm alone and once we revealed that we could break it down and he could see that it's not true and now all of a sudden if it's not true that he's alone then maybe he's going to develop a relationship with someone, which is what he's striving for. Maybe he's not going to feel jealous and and feel like he wants to know exactly what people are saying, and that's what can happen. Yeah, it's already it's gonna. I know it's going to change him.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how we reinforce these stories, right? Is that we start off and it's difficult when sometimes it's very advantageous. You know, sometimes being a lone wolf might be a really valuable thing because you don't get caught up in the distraction by maybe people who are quite unproductive. Maybe your group of friends goes out drinking, they don't really have the same life goals as you. So you're like, okay, well, I don't want to put myself out there and find new friends because that's difficult and I can face rejection. So I may as well be a lone wolf. And then you go and you go into this, whatever monk book that people call it, and you come out on the other side, you're like, okay, well, you know, I've read all the books, I've created the side hustle, I'm doing really well now. And then you just kind of reinforce that narrative but it only served you during that period of time and you never stop to say, okay, well, is this still helping me? And is this showing up in a way in my life that I actually like? And we don't recognize it because we're like, well, actually once it served me, it's like the all or nothing mindset as well. So many people tell me that they're like, I'm all or nothing. I'm like, well, it's great when you're all, but what about when you're nothing? You know? And it's like, well, this has got to be a lot of success here. But then it also is the reason why I can't hold a relationship. So I think you're absolutely right. It's like, it's just about realistically recognizing that, okay, as long as we've got a path, we've got a goal, we've got someone we're going to, we are the vehicle and our vehicle is perfectly good as it is. Yeah, we can add a few upgrades here and there. Then it's just a case of just moving everything out of the way that, is actually essentially stopping us from getting to the eventual destination, right? Yeah, yeah
2: I really like that. Yeah,
1: and, you, and if you can reveal them, then all of a sudden you can disprove them and and help people recognize that they're just lies. And and it's sometimes hard, you know, amount of guys that feel very emotional when, when we reveal these things. And I ask them if they're true and they say no. Then we go through a bit of a process uh, and they get very emotional. You know, they can't contain it because they've been living a lie for sometimes 20, 30 years. Uh, sometimes
2: ha- 40 years.
1: Sometimes longer. So I had a
2: 70-year-old client. so sometimes like, like 60 <laughs> yeah
1: it's very it's enlightening and it's just, just a moment for them you know wow you know i've been living this life for this long and and it's about then helping them realize that there's no judgment there you know how can you judge yourself on something that you never knew that's why we call them hidden uh, and, and blind spots we just don't know they're there so it's very powerful
0: when you can absolutely and is there a temptation to move into the female space at some point
1: yeah for sure
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen pretty pretty soon as well, I, I believe. Do you think that there'll be different challenges to go through? Because a lot of the big ones for men is the fact that they were, like you said, at the very, very start of the conversation, you were taught to man up. You were taught to be this way as a man. A man doesn't express his emotions. X, Y, or Z, kind of the trend that we all experienced when we if we grew up in the 80s or we grew up in the 90s, for example. So what do you think the challenges that females are going to have comparatively? Because they were kind of parented in a different way. And most of our traumas always relate back to our childhood. <laughs> so it's quite likely that most of the challenges that you're going to face with people have stemmed from that point. So what do you think is going to be the solution for females moving forward? I'll go for you first, Kayla.
2: Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's going to be... From from a business point of view, helping men has been challenging. Um, I think the pro, the process that we'll use, I don't think it will be very different, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I've always, I've, I've also used that process as a woman to help myself and discover more about myself and where I'm limited, why I behave the way I behave, why I'm having the challenges I'm having and unraveling that and resolving it as, as Scott said. So I don't think the process is going to be very different on a business point of view. I think it will be different because women make decisions very differently to men the way men do. So from a business point of view, helping men has been challenging because they they're kind of um you can share some of the challenges we've had from a business perspective in helping mm. men and trying to get into this space of helping men
1: i would say uh, I, before i move on to that i would say i with like Kayla on that and it's not going to be that different you know there's this thing oh men don't open up they don't open up because they're not given the space to open up if you allow a man the space and the comfort and they get the vibe from you that, that they can share they will share just as much as women share. I can guarantee you that. You know, I, I I see it day in day out. As long as they've got that space, they will share. It's only when they haven't they haven't been that they won't. So uh, I feel like it will be similar with the process because I feel the same constraints that we have are universal. Kayla's I'm not good enough, and my I'm not good enough, or Kayla's I'm not safe, and my I'm not safe. They're the same constraint. We may experience slightly different things, but if we resolve that, it's a knock on effect to the of the life that we lead. So I think. Process-wise, it will be fairly similar. Yeah. Um, but with the challenges of, of working with men in business, I think what I sometimes see is that there's a lot of guys out there that say one thing and then don't do it. So they then there's a there's a there's a phrase that that I really like, and it's uh, do what you said you're going to do. Yeah. Because we 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 speak to, uh, I speak to a lot of guys that say yeah 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 Let, let's do this, and I go are you sure? Because uh, I don't want to work with someone unless they're sure. It's, they Most coaches will come to me and go okay great, you know, what we need to do is blah blah blah. I go. Let's just stop. Really important question. Are you sure you want to move ahead? And I would say 70 to 80% of the guys that say yes in that moment, we have a great relationship. But there are a few, 20 to 30% of guys that say yes, 100%. And then they don't follow through with it. So that for me is there's a challenge there for men. I think it's being okay with committing to something. But then I also understand that being a man and understanding and speaking to men every single day There is financial pressure for a lot of them. You know, it's an investment in in, in themselves and that feels uncomfortable for them because they haven't ever done it really. They might go to the gym or play football or go and watch a football match. But when you're investing in yourself, I think that's a big challenge for some guys. And that's why they say they're going to do it. And they don't because their ego gets involved and goes, oh, no, you just do it on your own. Three months later, guess what? I hear from them. (laughs) Yeah. And then they come back and I'm like, "Okay, cool. There's no judgment ever. But imagine what it could have been like. Um, But then we build from there, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's that fear of failure aspect as well. It's like, well, I actually have to bet on myself succeeding here and also doing the work that I know Scott's going to tell me to do. Because I think deep down, anyone who comes to work with me or anyone who comes to work with you, they might not have all the answers, but they've got a fair idea of the things that might help them. And they might have tried some of those things before. And they've got this idea that, okay, well, I wasn't able to stick to it before. But I think I always encourage people to recognize that, okay, well, you're going for a completely different situation by reaching out to a coach, having that accountability, having someone who can guide you in that manner. And there is a sense of leap of faith, but much better to a leap of faith into someone's theoretical arms than just to do the same thing that you've been doing and not get the result that you ultimately want as well. So I think that, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful one where you're able to like actually, actually, like you said, ask them, are you genuinely going to go through with this are you sure and then they're able to have that reflection point with themselves if i'm saying this more than once and i'm committed to another person then there's that level of okay that's up the ante a little bit and i do actually have to follow through with this which you know usually tends to be one of the best decisions that people ever make when they do make those investments in themselves as well so i think it's a really really powerful journey
2: yeah we very we we're not really in the business of just like taking on loads of clients making loads of money and blah, blah, blah. You know, that is obviously an objective of having a business, but we want to help people. Um, we don't want to have people come on board and then change their mind two months down the line. That's why we, at the beginning of of the journey um with anybody that starts to have interest in working with us or with Scott, is, you know, we're very um transparent. We give a lot of time. We give a lot of clarity so that they know exactly what they're going into it's not about oh i take your money quick you're in now you know it's, it's very much about mm-hmm. taking on the right clients because we're in the business of helping people you know there's really no point taking someone on if if they're not ready and they're not you know we're not going to trick anybody <laughs> into working with us they've got to be ready so we give them the time we give them the transparency and what we're about we give them an the experience of coaching before they even start with us so that they they can say yep Exactly, I'm ready for this. And then it helps them to get results and experience that change and transformation, which is the whole point of why we exist as a business. And it helps us to share Scott's skills and gifts and expertise, you know? So yeah, that's that's really important, I think, hmm. in, in what we do.
0: Yeah, you can tell that in the social media presence as well, because if a lot of men's coaches specifically get caught up in the temptation of showing the Porsche every day, showing the bank balance, being very, very explicit with the life that they're living on the other side of doing the work and i think that that's a reason i mentioned jordan peterson earlier it's like he's kind of the opposite of that like he's not anyone's uh what's that guy called again david tate he's like no it's david tate right andrew tate Tate. what's his name the one that Andrew Tate, exactly. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> that shows how much I'm <laughs> not well versed in Andrew Tate's world, but it, realistically, yeah, as no one's looking at that thinking oh these are one of the same person, right? And I think it's nice because the, there is a lot of people out there who are going to want the, you know, the flashy lifestyle and everything along those lines, but there's other people who just simply want the solution. And I think that that's realistically deep down what we all need. So I'm glad that you guys are flying that flag as well. So with that being said, I think we've covered the fair amount and the, kind of couple of last questions I want to ask you is what impact do both of you want to have on the world with the work that you do individually and collectively?
2: I just want to help people. I just want to leave a mark, you know, that is improving people's lives and improving how people feel about themselves, how they live their lives. I know um, because one of the things I'm very um, focused on is letting things go. So the power of letting go um, I've done a lot of uh, reading of people like Eckhart Tolle and his kind of like being in the present, the power of now. So I think that's something that people struggle with. That It might not necessarily impact their everyday with how they feel about themselves, but it does rob them of life in the end. So the because life is so fast paced, there's so many distractions, being present now is such a gift if you're able to to lean into that and um, achieve that even 70% of the time. So I'm really um, focused on that. And I think that's that's one of the keys to being happy and living life fully is leaning into that, being present. So that's a part of our work that we want to develop as well. So, yeah, it's just very much about having a positive impact and helping people as much as possible.
1: Yeah. I'm really into helping people feel really free, ultimately. I remember how it felt not to be free. (laughs) I was just clouded by all this crap that I was telling myself. Uh, And I want people to be educated in that, but also understand that it is possible for them to create change because it it, it truly is. I, I, I can't tell you... The difference in me now in comparison to where I was and and I look back I reflect back on on how far I've come and I want that for other people and it happens in like I say in a short space of time really even for me it's taken a, a good few years but even recently going away and and attending an event and I went on my own and I went on the train and I got the metro and I stayed in the hotel for two days and I got out of my comfort zone in this in this event that I went to standing up on stage all of this stuff and I reflect back I think that would I couldn't have even I, I, at the point I couldn't even be on my own in the house and now i reflect back on on what what i'm doing now and that's what i want for other people is having that freedom of like wow what's possible for me because there's so much possible maybe not anything is possible but there is a so so much more available to people if they choose to allow themselves to to step into this world essentially yeah
0: yeah i love that message from you both and where's the best place for people to find you if they want to keep up with the work that you're doing
1: a couple of places so we've got our website which is further-coaching.com we've got um our My Instagram, which is Scott D Hardiman. You've got your Instagram, which is
2: just Kayla Hardiman. Just Kayla Hardiman. (laughs)
1: Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn as well. And there's, uh, you know, some people, I think the reason I I like to use LinkedIn is a good community on Mm -hmm. there, but also I, I ask my clients to leave me recommendations on there because, you know, they're, you can, they're credible, right? So you can say, Oh, that person there, I can go and contact them. So people can actually see that the work we do is, is truly. Impactful, so we use those platforms mainly.
2: Yeah,
0: amazing. I'll make sure those are all in the show notes below. But Scott and Kayla, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really interesting, insightful conversation. Thank Thank you you so so much, much, Elliot. And that was the Simply Fit podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from